Hello everybody, I'm your host Guillaume Cauchois and you're listening to a new episode of Tapis Rouge. Today's shout-out goes to Gabriel Dubé-Dupuis, who was the first one to find out our guest today, Mokhtar Omar Sharif Mokhtar. A fun fact about Gabriel is that his father was François Dupuis, the original Bébé François character in Mystère. Gabriel has been working for Cirque du Soleil for decades and actually worked on many productions with Mokhtar. He also happens to be my boss at the moment, <laughs> and he's the best. Now, back to our guest. If you are into the Cirque du Soleil universe, chances are that you've heard Mukhtar's name. He's been involved in the company for a long time, first as an artist, then a coach, a choreographer, a creative, and now a director. He's now directing the new Cirque du Soleil show called Echo, which is set to come out this spring in Montreal. This will be his first Big Top creation and the very first Big Top show coming out from Cirque since the pandemic. I got lucky to catch him during his crazy rehearsal schedule and talk about his life, career, and his extremely contagious drive and hunger for creation. So here he is, the fantastic Mokhtar Omar Sharif Mokhtar. Mokhtar, welcome to Tapis Rouge. Thank you so much, Guillaume. I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys bringing me onto your show. Mokta, you've been working with Cirque du Soleil for a very long time, and you're currently the director of the upcoming new Big Top show. But before we talk about this, can you take us to the very beginning? How did your Cirque du Soleil journey and your artist's journey started? Yeah, it's it's a it's it's a crazy story actually that I I, it's, I love telling just because it's uh, it's something that just happened out of nothing in a way. Um, I used to I, I mean I come from a dance background. You know, I was a hip hop dancer. I had my own company as well where we used to go and compete in dance competitions, mm -hmm. and uh, we were pretty successful as well. We were three times UK champions, and then we went to the worlds uh, to compete against, you know, teams from different nations. And nice. uh, we came first place in that as well in 2005. Oh, amazing. Thank you. So that's, that's kind of where my Cirque journey started because in that competition, uh, there was a judge uh, by the name of Natasha Jean-Bart, who was a performer at that time or, or, or in creation for the new Beatles show that was happening in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. So she uh, she knew that the show was looking for a profile like mine, someone who moved like me, but someone who also looked uh, the way I looked as well for a specific character in the Beatles love show that they had found yet. So she went back and she told the casting department, there's this guy that I saw in the competition. He moves well and he may, may have the profile. So I got a call. I think it was maybe a week or two weeks later when I got back in England, because uh, I'm from, from, from London. Mm -hmm. and, uh, it was from, actually, it was from Michel Laprise, actually. Oh, really? He was working in casting. Yeah, exactly. So he, he contacted me and he said, you know what? Uh, uh, I'm Michel Laprise from Cirque du Soleil, and we would love to speak to you about an opportunity to work at the circus uh, with us for a new show that's coming up in Las Vegas. I mean, the first, I didn't know who Cirque du Soleil was, you know, no. in our world, in the underground <laughs> world of street dance, you know, we don't know. So I just said, I'm sorry, I think maybe you got the wrong number. Uh, I don't <laughs> do stuff, you know? 
So, uh, and then Michelle just said, you know what, go on our website today and then I'll call you back tomorrow. You know, look at what we do and then I'll call you back tomorrow. So I went back that evening to go and look at the website and I thought, oh, this is a little bit more serious than just the circus, you know? <laughs> yeah. But at the time I was, you know, I, I he called me back the next day and, uh, you, and I told him that, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm interested. Uh, but at the time I was studying at university, I was in my second year studying forensic science. Oh, okay. So completely different to the, you know, to mm-hmm. the art world, you know? So it, I didn't, I, I didn't have a lot of intention of taking the job, you know, if I got it, cause I knew I had to audition for it because I come from an African family, you know, in, in an African family, you, education comes first and you have to mm-hmm. finish your education. So dance was a hobby and arts was a hobby, you know, that turned into something. It was a hobby, even though you won the world championship. Exactly. I mean, at that time, though, it became a little bit more serious because we started to realize we're pretty good at this, you know. Mm-hmm. We, we, were, we were getting jobs and we were getting paid doing that. So it became a point where I was like, you know, performing at night very late. And then in the morning I had to run to mm-hmm. university. Yeah, and it became very difficult. So I knew there was a time that was coming that I had to make a difficult decision. I either have to stop the dancing like, or calm down or stop the education, which is something that I didn't think I would do, you know? So Joe mm-hmm. basically told me you would have to come to Canada where we're doing the creation because they had already started the creation. They, it was, uh, I think it was December at the time, you know? Okay. They start in the summer. So he said, you know, come down. We'll audition you in Canada. We'll pay for your flights and everything, and we'll audition you. And if you get in, then, you know, you, you have a chance to be a performer in one of our shows in Vegas. If you don't, you know, you're just coming to a trip to Canada and uh, take the audition. And it's a good process for an artist to come and take our auditions. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I said, okay. Uh, but in my head, I was like, I don't think I'm going to take this, you know? And I didn't even think I was going to get it. I'm a dancer in a, in the circus world. I saw the website at that time. There were no really dancers in circus shows, yeah, you know, true. Not a lot of dance profile for sure. Yeah, It was crazy acrobatic. So I was like, I'm not going to get this, but it's a trip to Canada, a weekend. Let me go. Let's see how it is. Mm. I didn't even take a jacket or anything. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, you didn't know what to expect. Amazing. <laughs> oh my God. I did not know what to expect. I had a jacket, but it wasn't Canada jacket. You know? <laughs> yeah. So cool. over the flight, I actually got sick on the flight. I got uh, the flu on the flight. So I was like, of course, this is going to happen now. I went to, I went there, Jillian, uh, a, a lovely lady by the name of Jillian Farabee welcomed me into the, into the studio. And she basically just said, uh, I told her I was sick. And she was like, it's no worries. The choreographer wasn't there at the time because he had uh, some health issues. So it was mm-hmm. Dominic Champagne, who was the director of the yeah. show. Mm-hmm. He came and basically auditioned me. He came and he just said, you know what? Put Here Comes the Sun, the song uh, from the Beatles, put that song on and just dance to it, you know? And then we'll, we'll see. So he, he put the song on and I just danced through the whole song. And, and I was sick, you know? So yeah. I was really tired. And by the end <laughs> of the song, the song finished and I was just on the floor just breathing heavy and, you know, Dominique was looking at me for like a good, it felt like a good minute of saying, oh yeah, looking at me. it really felt like that. And then at the end, he just said to Chantel, Chantel Tremblay was the creation director mm-hmm. who he said to her, you know what? Yes, I like him. Let's, let's go for it. And then he walked away. And in my head, I was like, oh my God, did I just get this job? Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, shit, I was not expecting this. Did you feel less pressured because he was, 
Dominic auditioning you and not like a, a dance choreographer? No, not at all, because I didn't know who Dominic was. I didn't know who anyone was there. For me, I'm just <laughs> a kid who came from the street dance world into this. Uh, I was confident in the way I danced, you know, so I didn't, I, I didn't really feel any pressure because I wasn't desperate to get the job. I didn't think I was going to get the job, you know, because in my head, I was like, I have to finish my education. But now I have a predicament because I got the job and I had to tell Chantel straight after. I was like, I don't think I can take this, you know? And then she was like, okay, hold on. She she gave me a lot of DVDs because I still had one more night there. She got me all DVDs of like, oh, Mr. Kidam, Allegria. And she said, just go back into your room and watch these, you know, just so that you can give you an idea. And she also brought me into the Beatles love creation. Because if you if you were there at that time, the security was crazy for this for this creation. You couldn't yeah. go into and see anything unless you was an employee. But she wanted to show me just a little bit. So I went in there, I saw a little bit, and I was like, wow, this actually is like a once in a lifetime opportunity yeah so that evening i contacted my mom and i told my mom that you know this i was never going to take this but now that i'm looking at it it could be something that if i turn down i may regret later on you know mm -hmm. and uh, she was like okay we'll speak to your granddad because our granddad is kind of like the head of the, family. the authority of the family yeah exactly he's like the shaman of the family you know so And I was like, oh, God, I have to speak to him. And I was like, there's no way he's going to, you know, accept it. And I told him. And to my surprise, he, he basically said to me, you can take the job as long as you promise me one thing. He said, give yourself one year. If you see a career in this, fair enough, take it. But if you don't, you have to be very honest to yourself. And you have to leave it in a year, even if you're having fun, even though if you enjoy it, but if you don't see a career, you have to leave it, come back and finish your education. And then you can do what you want. He said, if you can promise me that you can go. So I was surprised. And I was like, okay, mm -hmm. take that. And then, you know, since that was 2005, December, I took the job. And then now I'm here talking to you. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Crazy. It's amazing. It's funny that I had a similar situation with the, the one year thing mm -hmm. in circus too, because my dad was, working in the movie industry. So when it was the time to choose what to do, I said, okay, I want to audition to Montreal Circus School. In USA, mm -hmm. in saying, you know, just stop doing circus, just go to acting school and I'm going to use my relationships to plug you into the movie industry. You can just mm -hmm. do movies right away. It's going to be a better career. And I really told him like, no, I think I really want to do mm -hmm. circus. I want to transcend my body in that way. I can always act later when I'm old and broken you know that's what i told him and he told me the same thing he said look take one year give your best give everything you have and if you're getting montreal mm -hmm. then this is your pass and just you can go for it but if you don't just go to acting school and i said okay no problem <laughs> and i said wow. i got to enc and then wow but you see that's this is that's how uh it really shows the value and importance of trust and you know giving your kids their chance to, for them to choose their career and give, let them choose what makes them happy in a way. Because, you know, if your dad said, no, you're not doing that, you're doing this, you wouldn't be where you are right now. You'd be doing something. And same with me. I don't know what I'm doing right now. Maybe I still will be doing something I enjoy because I did enjoy the studying the forensic science, but, but you, you wouldn't, I wouldn't have accomplished what I've accomplished in the arts world because of that. Yeah, so for sure. it's very, very important. I think to, to take a risk once in a while. Yeah, for sure. And how did your family react when you started the process of 
the creation and when the show finally came out, did, did they all mm -hmm. came to see you? No, they, yeah, I mean, yes. I, I mean, my family, I sent them, I mean, I sent them videos and stuff. They didn't come out to Vegas, but, uh, you know, the, I think that the thing with, I'm the oldest of the family. So, you know, as the oldest, you kind of have to lead, uh, you know, I have four brothers, two sisters, so it's a big family. So, so I had to, I have to make sure I lead well, you know, in a way. Mm -hmm. I'm the so as soon as the show opened and they saw what I was doing in the show, I think I, I, they were, they were proud. Of course they were happy, mm -hmm. but of course they're always in the back of their head. They're like, yes, you're a performer, but your body's not going to last forever. So you yeah. have to think <laughs> about what you're doing for the future. But I, to be honest, I had already been thinking about that even before I went to Cirque, you know, because even mm -hmm. in my dance company, I was the director choreographer for that company. So I always had more preference in creating than performing. I like performing. Oh, I loved okay. it. But I always had the preference in creating, doing something from nothing, you know, always intrigued me. Uh, so I, I always had that mindset. And I think my my family knew that I, that was my, you know, end game. And uh, I was always planting seeds towards that, even from 2005. Huh. And after that, how long do you spend performing in love? Oh, I was there for a while. I was there for eight years, I think. I mean, I, I, I finished in 2012, but uh, there was a couple of moments within where I had issues with my visa. So I couldn't come into the States for one, one period was for like a year. And then the other period was for like six months. So it kind of broke up the eight years for me, which was nice in a way, because I got to do other things. And I was uh, very appreciative to, to Cirque for being able to stick with me and support me while mm -hmm. I was getting easier and stuff. But uh, but eight years, I would say in total. I think, if I remember correctly, I was in the Beatles in the Beatles show. Yeah. And how did that part of your life affected your perception about dance and the performing arts and creation, and also mm -hmm. the aspect of performing? Because I feel everybody who's performed in Cirque shows or in shows that having a lot of repetition, we all face that for the first time that wall of like, oh, I'm, how can I reinvent myself? shows mm -hmm. after shows after shows and how mm -hmm. can I keep my performance fresh and genuine and how can I keep mm -hmm. growing even though I'm still in that same box that's being given mm -hmm. to me well there's two point there's two point answers to this for me one is um the effect on me just being in the Beatles love was huge as a, as a, as a creator it was huge because I had never seen a production value for a show at this level you know when I was I was watching Dominique work. I was watching how the technical department worked with the production department and the creation department. And it's something I had never seen before. Like in the dance world, it's not that big. You know what I mean? But I was learning and learning and soaking in as much as I can in that short creation period that we had. And I always, there's this saying that I saw, which was amazing. Once you, once you stretch your brain out, Or, or something like that it cannot go back to its normal size yeah. you know like it's such an incredible saying which is so true because once i had experienced everything i experienced in that creation and in that show there's no way i could go back to what i was doing before it's just that was not an option because it didn't feel i didn't feel that it would be a creative release for me you know like mm -hmm. i had to learn more about this i had to see how i can push myself to be able to create in this universe to be able to create in this environment And, and, and it was a different way of storytelling for me when I saw this, you know, mm -hmm. storytelling without using words. 
which was very interesting. You know, it's very challenging. So, so I think that was one way that it affected me hugely. And then the other way, the question regarding, you know, doing 10 shows a week, how can you keep yourself motivated? My thing was really from the beginning, like I told you, creation was something that I was always more interested in. I was lucky because I had a solo in the show as well as being a dancer at house okay. dance show. I had a solo and that solo, I was able to adapt and change the way I wanted throughout the eight year period I was mm, there. Okay. So it was not something that I had to do the same every day. So that kind of gave me a nice release. I, I was also a backup to another solo, another dance solo in the show. Okay. So I got to do that as well. And, and at the end, I was backing up two, by the time I left, I was backing up two main characters, as well as my solo, as well as the dance in the show. So I always tried to keep myself motivated. I was mm -hmm. also the dance captain at one point in the show. I was the dance coach at one point in the show. Mm -hmm. So I never wanted to just settle, you know, and just 10 shows a week, it's work. I never wanted it to feel like that. But still, it wasn't enough in terms of when I talk about my creation side, you know. So mm -hmm. I would always create these events after after the shows, you know. Like I would create uh, okay. events with all the artists together from Vegas. I would give them, well, one of the events was called Create, where I would give them uh, a, 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 a subject and, and each subject they'd have to create a piece around, whether it's oh, dance, okay. whether it's acrobatics, whether it's acting, whether it's clowning, mm -hmm. they have to create a piece. So you'd see everyone's different interpretations of what that subject is, which was very, very cool. Yeah. So that kept us motivated, that kept us mm -hmm. being able to create. Anytime Cirque did a cabaret, I would submit a piece. Anytime, you know, they did a Nevada ballet with, uh, you know, the ACS, where they have a collaboration between Nevada ballet and Cirque, mm -hmm. Even though it was ballet, I would submit a piece because I wanted to learn more about that universe and that site. Mm -hmm. So anytime I could get my hands on something where it involved creating, I would be there. And that would be something completely separate to what I was doing with the Beatles Love when I was doing the 10 shows a week. So those are the, the ways that I really kept myself motivated and planting seeds. I think that was the important thing. Mm -hmm. I wanted to see that. I wasn't just a performer, even though there's nothing wrong with being just a performer, but my, my aim was I'm a creator. I want to create. And I, every time I create a piece, I would send it to everybody. You know, this mm -hmm. is the thing that I did just subconsciously. People see that this guy's creating, this guy wants to be more than what he is at the moment, you know, because mm -hmm. I was, you know, that was my hunger. So I think all of that work that I did really helped shape me into the person I am today and also helped shape where I am today mm -hmm. because if I didn't do all of that then I don't think I would have found these tools that help me now in terms of how to create a show how to tell a story how to be emotionally correct when designing a, a theatrical experience for mm -hmm. audience did you face a lot of rejections within this submission and these things like because I feel that can be a struggle for creators and artists who are not known or trying to you know to pierce that veil mm -hmm. that like keep them mm -hmm. in the lower level and as you and it's I feel it's always like a pushing pushing and submitting and submitting and mm -hmm. I think every everybody faced a lot of rejection at the beginning and so how did you face that and how did you keep going I, I, I use rejection to fuel me to do more that really always I did that, you know, like, and I'll give you two examples. Uh, one example was I wanted to be, I, I auditioned for 
I think it was MJ the Immortal. Was it Immortal? No, I think it was MJ One. Because at mm-hmm. the time I was performing while they were looking for artists. And I auditioned for it because I come from a street dance background. Mm-hmm. Michael Jackson is doing a show with Cirque. I'm like, I have to be in that show. I have yeah. to perform in that show. You know, that's that was and I sent all my stuff and you know, I did an audition and I even made my crew audition as well. Oh, I made my crew. I asked them to audition and they auditioned mm-hmm. in Berlin. But we didn't get it, you know, we didn't get it. And for me, I was like, no, like, I can't accept this. Like, how did I not get this job? You know, it was, it was difficult. Normally, any other projects, I don't care. But this, I was like, how, how did I not get this? Like, who got it ahead of me? Like, I could yeah. not accept it. But straight away, you know, the way I used that rejection was, I'm going to create a whole event based on, uh, again, the subjects that I was talking about in my mm-hmm. event outside. And my subject was Michael Jackson. And I was like, I'm going to create a whole piece with the <laughs> dancers and acrobats around Michael Jackson. It's like, they don't want me in their Michael Jackson show. I'm going to make my I'll own. My Michael own. Jackson. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's so funny. I was like, I mean, that was back when I was younger and I was like, you know, I'm going to do it. And we did it. And, you know, and, and just that was a nice release for me because I was able to do a performance that paid tribute to the music of Michael Jackson and, and, and we did an amazing piece, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it, and it gave that release, I think I was looking for. And then there was also another moment where Cirque um, contacted me to do a special event for them, but I was still a performer at the Beatles Love. And I asked at that time, the AD, you know, this is a big opportunity for me because this is what I want to do. You know, like I, I really want to create, uh, but they, they asked you to create a special event. They asked me to come and choreograph. Uh, choreograph okay. Yes, exactly. They asked me to come and choreograph. But for me, that's all a part of the building steps, you know, like, mm-hmm. okay, if it's choreography that I have to do, I'll do it. But they're going to see that I can create, you know, that's mm-hmm. that, that was my main thing. I always knew I'm going to direct, you know, it's going to happen, but you don't get it like that. You have to, you have to do your small steps in order to get it. Yeah, you have to show people you can do it because these projects are sometimes they're multi-million dollar projects. Yeah, sometimes for sure. hundred thousand. So they're not just going to give it to anybody who doesn't have a background. So I understood that from very early. So they they didn't accept me to do this special event. And from there, I just realized to myself, like if I want to be taken seriously, I have to take myself seriously. And if I'm still performing at the Beatles love and I'm still trying to get these gigs while I'm an artist, I'm going to be always be seen as an artist. Cause I understand at the time I was annoyed. I was frustrated, but now looking back, I understand the, the position of the AD because she has to do what's best for the show. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. At that time they couldn't let me go because there was no backup for me. So I get it, but I had to do what was best for me. So I decided that, you know what, I'm going to leave now. And then I'm going to take a leap of faith because people need to see that I'm serious about taking that next step. So that was the, that was the turning point for me when I had to decide to leave in order, in order to try and get these different types of projects. I lost that one project, but then other projects came after that. Oh, and how did you feel when you did your last show with love and you were like, okay, this is it now. Like, this is my, yeah, to be honest, you know, a lot of people I think would be nervous. I don't think I was nervous. I think I, I just, I think there was more the feeling of relief because, you know, eight years is a long time to give to yeah, a show. For sure, yeah. yeah. And for me, it was like, it's relief. And if they need me, I live in Vegas. If they need me, they can call me back for temporary contracts just because mm-hmm. I could do yeah. things in the show. Uh, I even gave them, uh, I offered them, I can do on call as well if they wanted me to mm-hmm. be on call. 
and and you know they I, I they gave me the on-call position as well when I left, which mm-hmm. was good because I was still connected to the show in a way, even mm-hmm. though quickly soon after I couldn't even do the on-call because I had started to get different projects and different gigs, and mm-hmm. uh, at the end I had to stop being on-call. For the listeners who would not be familiar with that term, can you explain what the on-call position yes. is? So an on-call position is a, a position where if someone gets injured in the show, they will call you that day or they will call you the day before to come in and cover for them. So you have to be always ready at all times. Um, and sometimes that that you do two shows a week. Sometimes you do 10 shows a week. It depends on the need of the show. Mm-hmm. So you're as an uncle, you're able to also do different projects because it's kind of like freelancing in a way you're not fully employed with them, but you're still connected to the show. If they need you, you can help out. Did that aspect of you living and being an uncle artist acted in your subconscious as a safety net, maybe to be like, Oh, I'm leaving, but I'm there is still a link between us. So it can give me that confidence of like, I'm not completely on my own. I have that like backup if something. So it, can help you moving forward. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, I think one of the biggest reasons why I took that was because just to have that safety net, you know, like even though I had saved money, you know, I wasn't one of the people or the artists who spent all their money while they were there. I saved money. Mm -hmm. I knew I was okay for, you know, for a good period of time, but it doesn't also hurt to not lose money, you know? So I thought to myself, do it on call, do enough shows. You don't even have to do a lot of shows. Just do enough shows that you pay your bills and your rent for that whole month. And then mm-hmm. the rest of the month, do whatever you want to try and create other projects and uh, other opportunities. So um, I I think it's a good point you hit. I definitely did feel like a safety net in a way to just still be connected to the company. Our partner in this episode is Circus Talk the online carrier marketplace for circus and the performing arts. Circus Talk is the new thing that is great for our international circus community. It is an amazing information resource, bringing news, events, and industry trends to us, professionals working in the field. What also makes Circus Talks amazing is their first online casting platform that connects talents and talent seekers in circus and performing arts. If you're a talent seeker, you can finally post jobs and auditions in a professional and transparent way, instead of using social media accounts. There are already over 28,000 artist profiles on Circus Talk that talent seekers can search while talents can find jobs and apply to them via the Circus Talk platform. You can get your first month free on both Circus Talk Talent and Talent Seeker Pro membership by using the promo code TAPIROUGE in one word. So go to circustalk.com, sign up to Pro and use the code TAPIROUGE to find your spotlight with our partner, Circus Talk. All right, guys, a little side story now. Back in 2014, I hurt my back training backstage before a show. The pain was so intense, I couldn't put my socks on, sit for more than two minutes, and obviously, it took me out of the show for quite some time. I followed a strict core rehabilitation program, and after six weeks, I got back on stage. But I kept having recurring pain. So I started to educate myself about core anatomy, rehab training, and pain science. 
I wanted to understand why am I doing all these exercises if the pain keeps coming back. The more I was learning, the more I understood I had to change. I started switching exercises, tweak some techniques and executions, and also completely changed my perception of pain. After a couple of weeks, on top of reducing considerably my pain level, I was feeling so much stronger, which increased my confidence to move and better perform on stage. My life overall was so much better. Finally, I was pain-free and not scared to hurt my back again. I had a lot of artists and athlete friends who saw that happening and asked me, hey, what did you do for your back? And I thought, I could put it all out in a clear and clean way, instead of always pulling random videos on YouTube and giving quick guidance. So I reached out to all the best doctors, physiotherapists and performance medicine specialists whom I met touring and asked them to help me develop Protocol Cut to the Core. Protocol Cut to the Core is the first rehab and strengthening protocol for back or hip pain that also includes a comprehensive course in core anatomy, biomechanics and pain science. It is approved by doctors, physios and performance medicine specialists from five different countries. If you are suffering from acute or persistent back or hip pain, you can find protocol Cut to the Core on our website at cuttothecorefitness.com. When movement is an issue, movement is the solution. And now, let's get back to the show. What was your first breakthrough as a creator? What was the first project where you felt like, okay, like now it starts to happen? Mm -hmm. I feel like there was a couple of moments in my career. I think one was while I was an artist, we did this, um, we did this, me and another good friend of mine uh, named Dandy Punk, for some people may know, we did a show in a two-car garage, basically, mm-hmm. where we had like, uh, I think it was 20 artists. Uh, we sat all the audience in the driveway, we covered the driveway, and uh, we did a really, really interesting show experience that was very multimedia related. And this was before all this laser shows came out and mm-hmm. the yeah. jacking shows came out. I mean, <laughs> we did this in 2000, and I think it was, was it 2010, maybe nine, something like that. It was a, really, it was a long time ago. And what we did with this show, because it was heavily focused on multimedia, lasers, dance, a little bit of acro, all done in this two-car garage that we fully transformed into this universe you know it was really really a, a, a I think a, a groundbreaking mm-hmm. show that's done in in such a small scale you know mm-hmm. and uh, we invited people from Cirque to come you know to see the show you know because we were only doing the show maybe four or five times I think mm-hmm. and people came from Montreal to come and see it which we were surprised about and we were happy about so I feel like this show really was one where people got to see, okay, these he's serious, you know, he's serious about this. And it's and when we released the video as well, the amount of reaction we got online for, for that. And we just released a demo. We got asked from a Tohu, uh, you know, Tohu. Oh, yeah, Tohu in Montreal. Yeah, the big theater in Montreal. Yeah, they, they wanted us to come and tour it. Their the theater in Japan wanted us to come and tour it there. But we couldn't because we did it with the artists that were in the shows in Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a passion project. We couldn't do it, you know. So, But we knew 
that there was magic there. We knew that we had something really, really interesting. So I, th- I would say that was one, one moment. But the biggest moment I, 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 that, that made the biggest turn for me is when I got asked to do the one night for one drop show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, did, I did it twice. It's, a, it's for people who don't know, it's a fundraising event for uh, Guy Liberté, who's the founder of Cirque du Soleil. And he does it once a year. And what they do is they close down all the shows in Las Vegas and all the artists from all the different shows get to audition for this show that's mm-hmm. going to be it's an original show that gets to be created and, and it gets to be created in one of the Cirque du Soleil theatres, which is mm-hmm. even better because you get to use the production value yeah, of for that sure. to be able to create. So for me, the first year I did it, I did it as a choreographer for one of the acts, you know, and it was okay. a beautiful show that was created by uh, a, a lovely lady, lady named uh, Krista Monson. She gave me the opportunity to create one piece in that number, which was great. And then from there, I got asked to direct the full show wow. the next year, which was a great, great opportunity for me, you know? And then yeah. the next year it was in the Michael Jackson One Theater. Oh, so like a lot of like things come around now. Exactly. And from there, I knew that like this is my opportunity to really show what I can do, you know, properly on a, on a large scale, because also the type of people that are going to come and see the show are the type of people that I've been sending videos to. Mm-hmm. I've been over the, the years. last 10 years. Yeah. Knowing them what I can do. So I was like, I have to take this with both hands. And and to be honest, you know, I put a good team together for that. We had a great people supporting us on that. And that show, once that show happened, that's I think when everything changed because the uh, the the I would say the president of the special events department at Service Soleil in Montreal was there sitting in front of me. And I knew her at the time, I knew of her, of course. Mm-hmm. And during the show, once you start to see how the show was evolving, uh, at the end, I think it was at the end of the show, she just turned back to me and she said, okay, we have to talk, you know, and, and, and that's that moment, I think, is when everything changed because from there, she asked me to come, move me and my family to Montreal mm-hmm. to work full time from the headquarters as a, as a conceptor and stage director for special events projects, you know. So for me, that was a great, great opportunity that opened the door for me to be able to create more work and really, I would say, grow as who who I was, you know, as a as a designer, as a creator. Wow, that's crazy! That's amazing. Like mm-hmm. I can't imagine the joy you must have feel when she turned around and said, "Okay, we have to talk." You must be like, "Yeah, wow. yes, no, that's definitely. it." Like- <laughs> definitely. That was the that was the uh, you know that was the opportunity I was looking for because when you're in uh, when you're in special events. It's, I would say, the best form of training or the best form of challenges because you get so many different types of projects that are not the same and uh, they require different challenges. You know, they ask different things of you. And that's the best form of education, I think, for any creator. You know, this it's, but of course, you have to deliver on all of them. You know, you have to yeah. deliver because it's for clients. You know, it's not coming straight from circus for clients. So you really have to make sure. You learn about the audience. You learn about how each audience is different. You mm-hmm. learn about yeah, for sure. how you have to create for a specific audience and what does that require. So it's not just about what I love. You know, that's one thing that I learned very quick. It's not about I'm going to do, because before that, it was all about I'm doing yeah. what I love to do. You know, you learn quickly that you have to, yes, you do what you like, but you always keep in mind the client and the universe or the environment of where you're creating, mm-hmm. you know? So I couldn't do the same thing I would do in Andorra in Germany, for yeah. example. 
different audience, different circumstances. So you, I learned that very quick. And so you moved to Montreal, big move from Vegas, different weather, different vibe, mm-hmm. different community. Mm-hmm. How did that transition from being freelancing, even though at that time you were having big gigs already, mm-hmm. transitioning into being a full-time creative employee at Cirque, working at IHQ? You know, I, I actually love I actually love that transition because one, I already knew Montreal because of the creation period I had for the Beatles Love. So I was a lot more prepared for the winter than I was back then. <laughs> so I knew that. And, I, and, and, you know, me and my family, my wife uh, and, and my two girls as well. Like it was, we just said, let's take this leap of faith, you know, like, like it's not good. I always say it's not good to stay in one place for too long. You know, like mm-hmm. yeah, every sure. five years. If we can, we try and change, you know, location where we live, you know, country-wise. Now it's a bit, uh, it's going to get a bit more difficult because my girls are eight years old. Mm-hmm. So you want to be stability for them. But before we were able to move. So we took that chance to Montreal. And really, I was always freelance, apart from when I was at Cirque, you know. So I was ready to kind of just settle down, you know, focus for, give my all for a few years, which turned out to be, I think it was like, five years if I if I remember <laughs> and I was like because because I was enjoying the projects that they were giving me you know one thing I said to them was never give me projects that are the same because the second time you don't have the same motivation mm-hmm. you know yeah, like I, sure. I learned that very quick when I did the one night for one drops because I did two of them I did the first mm-hmm. one and then I did the one after that and the one after that I didn't have the same motivation as I had mm-hmm. the first one and I don't think that's fair to the artist I'm working with. And I don't think it's fair to the person who's asked me to do this project. So I told them straight away, don't give me two projects exactly the same. Try and always challenge me with different projects that are going to ask different questions of me. And uh, to be and to be grateful for them, that's what they did. You know, they really, all the projects I did while I was there as a freelancer, uh, as a, sorry, as an employee was completely different, the projects. And they asked for different things. And of course, that makes me grow as a director as well. Yeah, for sure. And like out of these five years, what would be your, let's say your top three favorite projects that you did or like your top three favorite thing that you develop or situation or like the, let's say the key moments of this period of your life. And they all have to be uh, Cirque? No, can be anything. Okay. So with Cirque, there's there's two projects. I would say the, the there's a musical concert that I did for a, a German pop star by the name of Helena Fischer. Mm-hmm. I think you're yeah. at the moment. So, <laughs> yes. so that was a really, really uh, beautiful project that we worked on. I think the reason being is we were really able to express ourselves fully creatively. Like there was no boundaries of what we can do in that show. And that's something you don't usually get on different projects. And we also had and I don't want to say clients because they didn't feel like clients. They felt like partners. You know, they were pushing us to be creative. They were pushing us to do the best that we can do. And Helena Fisher herself, as you know, she wants to be the best. She wants to do mm-hmm. everything yeah. as strong as she can. So it, for me, it was a different type, a different type of challenge because now I'm not creating this. I'm not cre- with her. You have to create everything that it has to go through her. She's yeah. the main source. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas when you create uh, other theatrical experiences or shows, that main source comes from what the what the concept is or what that what the story mm-hmm. intention is. So each character has to give you that 
whereas she is the main character. So it gave me a different challenge where I was like, I have to create these amazing pictures and images and emotional moments are all powering through her. I cannot make the mistake of creating everything behind her and she stands in front. Yeah. That is the worst thing you can do to a pop star. And it happens quite a lot. So I, uh, for me, I learned a lot on that. And I think I had a great team as well. I was working with a, a very, very good team on that. And we were able to create one of our best works, I would say, on that project. So that would be the first one, mm -hmm. I would say. Uh, the second one, I would say, is the first big, I would say, circus Cirque du Soleil show mm -hmm. that uh, given, which was the Messy 10 project by Cirque yeah. du Soleil. So this one, again, a completely different challenge. It was how can you bring the world of sport with the world of circus and create something yeah. completely opposites, you know, completely yeah, like you can't sure. more opposite than that, you know? Yeah. And for me, I was very, I was very, very interested in that because I love football. I come, uh, I used to play football a lot and I still watch football and I love creating and circus and circ. So it was a perfect project for me. So I took that. And again, we had a great team on that and it was we achieved, I think, things on there that I wouldn't be able to achieve on another circus project. You know, this gave me a lot of leeway, it gave me a lot of flexibility because of the sports aspect of it. And because I had the knowledge of that universe, you know, and I got to meet, you know, one of the best players in the world in Lionel Messi and really get to work with him in shaping what this experience was going to be. So I would say those two you know, in terms of like big productions were the two big things or my favorite things that I did. And then the third one. Can I ask before you talk about the third one, how was it to collaborate creatively with Missy? Um, it was, I mean, it was, it was a very interesting collaboration. It was good. It was good because he didn't just say yes to everything, you know, like he did have his, uh, his wants in the show. So for example, And it was a very good point because Messi, if you look from outside, is a very shy person. He looks like a very shy person, personal, doesn't like to reveal his personal family stuff. Mm -hmm. So when I presented the show to him, I didn't want to touch that area. Mm -hmm. but, then, but then he said, when we presented to him, I would love if in one of these segments, I can celebrate my family, you know, because my family are always there for me and they always support me. So I had to include that in there. And I was happy mm -hmm. to include that in mm -hmm. because it, something that will give an emotional connection between the show and the audience and him, you know? So those are the type of ways that we were able to interact with him creatively. You know, mm -hmm. another way was music, you know, he says this music, this piece of music is when I first had my first, it was dedicated to my firstborn son. When I first had my mm -hmm. son, I would love in an important place in the show. See that. So all of these things that mean so much to him and, and, and a big beacon in his life, It's things that I use to create the show. And that would not have been possible if he didn't tell me this information, you know? So that's where our relationship happened creatively. Oh, so he actually allowed himself to be vulnerable and to expose a more private part of his life so that the show could exactly. be not just like a copy-paste no. stuff of everything you expect exactly. to see or on the show. Commercial. Yeah. Exactly, or too commercial. I mean, he... He's not about showing off. He's not about, you know, fast cars, women. He's, he's, he's a religious man. He has a beautiful family. He likes to be personal. And he wanted people to know that. Mm -hmm. You know, he wanted people to, that's the type of person he was. And, and, and I appreciate that. And that's how I approached the show when creating it. Nice. And third, third part now? 
The third one now is not a, a project that was a, as big as those, but it's a project that means a lot to me. It was a project that we did over the pandemic because everything closed down. And then I thought to myself, everybody's in their house right now. Everybody's, you know, locked down. How can I create a piece using everybody in their own everyday environment? So like, what would an artist a day in the life of a quarantine, you know, in a quarantine, what would be a day in the life of an artist look like? So I put together like six, seven artists. I think it was, I read, I read the narrative of what we were going to do in each of their homes. So they had to record themselves in their homes. They had to follow the narrative. And they also had, of course, uh, freedom of expression to add their energy into it. And we had really amazing top caliber performers. So they all had sent me all their stuff, everything that they recorded. And then we created me and uh, another guy called Taras Shevchenko, who you mm-hmm. might know, works in casting right now with Cirque, um, and a musical director as well, Hugo Bombardier. Us three, we were able to create a full video showcasing from the moment you wake up in the morning to the moment you go back to sleep at night of that one quarantine day using eight different artists, you know, and it was really, really beautiful because one spoke about how you have to keep your kids entertained. Mm, yeah. I saw the video. It was really, it was really great. Yeah. yeah it was yeah. an amazing project. So, yeah. And people haven't seen that. They should watch it because it, it was, we put a lot of emotion, I would say into that video, you know, and we got a lot of love back from the community and even people outside of our circus community, just normal people who can relate to the mm-hmm. video because they were going through that. So I would say that 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 project mean, meant a lot to me as well. Even though it's not as big, didn't make millions of millions of dollars, but it was special. That was, I think, the artist in us when we were creating that video rather than the designer mm-hmm. in us. The greatest part of this project, in my opinion, was the sense of connectivity that I felt while I was watching it. And not just because I had a lot of friends performing in the video, mm-hmm. so I was happy to see my friends doing what they do. But also I felt, mm-hmm. as you said, there were a lot of very strong emotional moments of like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, this is hard. Yeah. How can I navigate this thing? And like, I got mm-hmm. to really connect emotionally with it. I really felt like, oh, we are all feeling the same thing. And that emotion of like, mm-hmm. oh, we are feeling the same thing. made me feel closer to- I'm really happy to say that. I'm really, I'm really happy you say that because that was the intention all along. We were so separated. And we were trying to make a way to make people feel hope and to make people feel that we're still connected, even though we're not seeing each other right now. And we can be connected, you know, and I, I'm glad that you say that because that's the really was our intention from the beginning. And now finally, do you want to talk a little bit about your current project? You're now the director of the new Big Top Show. Yes. I know there is a lot of non-disclosure yes. agreement and stuff around the show, but AK, sure. whatever you can tell us about the show and how you get approached to be the director of the show and everything and how it's sure. how the creation is going. Sure. Um, well, firstly, I mean, this is a big top show, you know, and if you've been at Cirque, you know, big top yeah, is a big it deal. Is. It's, you know, the heart of the circus. It's the spirit of, you know, where circus comes from. And for me, I always had the hope that I would be a part of the mm-hmm. big top somehow, you know, just because you can't be in circus for this long and not, you not experience the big top, you know? So uh, in two, in 2020, 
that they had this big top that was about to happen and they needed a little bit of help on it. So they mm -hmm. pulled me on just to see if I can help them out. You know, it was like a month before the premiere, just to help them out a little bit. Uh, and then, of course, the pandemic hit straight away, you know, so then the show closed down, mm -hmm. uh, everything closed down, you know, for two years. So then they had asked, they had asked me if I can relook at the concept of the show, relook at everything in the show and just make sure that if we are going to do this show, we need to make sure that this show, first of all, goes somewhere new in terms of the universe mm -hmm. of the show, the feel of the show, the atmosphere of the show, so that so that it's unique, you know, like when you look at mm -hmm. Luzia, it's unique. Luzia is one of the big top shows of Cirque. It's one of my favorites. It's unique in the way uh, the environment is created. You feel the authenticity in the environment, you know? It's not just, it's not just a couple of acts put together and you put a music over it. Like, there's a whole universe created. Uh, same when you look mm -hmm. at Curious, for example, you feel the authenticity within the experiences and the shows. So this was something important that we needed to find in this show, which I think was there when mm -hmm. I went there in 2020. The, the universe, the people universe was really, really beautiful. So, but my, I think the biggest mandate for me was really making sure that the Cirque theatricality uh, okay. was in there and making sure that the acrobatic emotional timeline was important. And then making also making sure, looking at the story and uh, changing the story so that it served the, this big, um, I would say mm -hmm. symbol we have in the show, uh, big symbol in the show. And I would say I needed to adapt the story to make sure that we brought the best out of this symbol, you know, and the story had to, had to be lighter in tone. The story had to, since we came out of a two year moment mm -hmm. where we were separated, I want the story to give us the feeling of connection, give us the feeling that we are all connected somehow, that we all had to, we all, the value of working together to be able to shape the world that we want to live in. Because I, I really strongly believe everything we do is mm -hmm. about intention, you know, and if you put the right intention out there in the world, you'll achieve what you want to do, but you have to put that intention there. So I want this, the show to also feel that. And the show, you know, focuses, you know, we have a, we have a, a character, a main character in the show who represents the mm -hmm. youth of today, you know, because the youth of today, the awareness that they have of what's going on in the world is crazy mm -hmm. because yeah. of the internet, you know, and we didn't have that. Me, I didn't have that when I was younger. I mean, when I was when I was young, all I cared about was playing outside and, and mm. computer games, you know. But nowadays, the kids are involved even politically. Like, they know what's going on in the world. And, they, and, and I think that awareness for me was important that we we, we, we showed mm. in the show as well, you know. So our main character represents that. And it's really about, without saying too much, it's really about how as a, as a society or as, as, as a humans, we make the same mistakes over and over again, this thing called life, you know, and I would love to explore a way where we break this cycle of this mistake by, by unifying, by coming together, by collaborating together to be able to create our world piece by piece to create the world we want to live in. So I think that's the, I would mm -hmm. say the nutshell of, of what I'm trying to say in the show, which I think is inspirational. I think it's what the world, needs to hear right now mm -hmm. because of everything yeah, that's sure. happening right now we need yeah we need to create content that brings people together rather than separates people and 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 authentic content you know it's not just hey let's come together and love you know it's not that it's it's let you know it's 
it has to be authentic. It has to come from a place of, you know, understanding what's going wrong right now without being too serious because we don't want to be serious in the show. You know, it's people coming to a big talk show to have fun and to enjoy them. So we want to do that. And we want them to understand the value of, of collaboration. Oh, it's amazing. So far, are you, it's fun. do you feel you're able to express these ideas through the medium of theater and sound and the music and the artists and everything? Well, yeah, that's the challenge. I mean, that's the, that's why I love this project so much because it's anytime you go on a project and you don't feel nervous, it's not the right project for you. You know, it means that you're, it's not big enough for you. Like you have to be the challenge. The project has to scare you. I mean, I'm not saying it scares me, but it has to make you always think about solutions. It has to make you always think about, you have to be three steps ahead of what you're going to do, you know, because uh, these, these, these projects, it's the first time I'm on a big top. It's uh, the first new mm -hmm. big top that's coming out of Cirque du Soleil since, which is a big deal. It's huge, you know, so we need to feel the difference. We need to feel this new energy that's coming out of Cirque. We need to feel that, while we're going in a new energy, we still respect everything that made Cirque the beautiful mm -hmm. thing that it is in the past, you know? So that's, that's the challenge I would say that would, that, that faces us when we're doing this, but we have, I would say probably the best team I've ever had on a project. Like this team, the, the team are really, really incredible without uh, disrespecting any of the other teams I had before, because I always love to change teams around because mm -hmm. they challenge me as well. I don't like to stay with one team, you know, Some, some people do, which is fine, but I don't like to do that. So the team I have right now, I really feel confident that we're able to deliver this message in using the circus arts and using the technology we're using in the show. And when I say technology, again, it's not plastering mm -hmm. special effects everywhere. It's using technology in a poetic way to tell the theatrical story that we're telling. So I'm very excited to be able to uh, show what we're, we're cooking up so far. That's so exciting. I think before the pandemic, you could feel that Cirque was trying to do something different. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes they really succeeded, even though it was not um, like a commercial success. I, I thought that they did succeed into bringing mm -hmm. something new into the zeitgeist, but it felt that they didn't find quite how they could like reinvent themselves while respecting their past. But uh, after everything you've been saying in your past and your experience, each super clear at least to me that you're the best person to be the first spark of that reinvention and that new circ that they've been trying to bring to their world for the last couple of years now well i mean i appreciate you saying that a lot i, I do uh, this is the challenge i took you know it's the challenge i took is we need to try and bring a new energy a new feel we try to do that with messy 10 as well you know like uh, it's not the same circus Uh, type of experience that you may have been ex you may have been used to you know and with this one we have to push even more than we did with Messi like it you have to come out of that feeling the same wonderful feelings you feel when you come out of the usual search show but think to yourself like wow like this really mm. was different like I experienced a lot of things in this and we have to do that anyway, that's 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 art that's creation we have to always find the new ways to speak and to tell, tell our message to the audience, you know, and if we don't do that, who's going to do that? You know, there's going to be other, there's, we are the ones that have been given that responsibility to do that. I mean, it's, it's, it doesn't feel like a job. It never feels like a job. And the day it feels like a job, you need to quit, you know, or you need to stop doing that particular thing. So that's why knowing that responsibility, I think 
that's what drives me, you know, to, to make sure that we do the best possible work we can because, um, Circuit is a special, it's a special company. There's not many companies around the world like that, but there are a lot of companies around the world that are coming up with big, um, with good level, you know, theatrics and acrobatics. So Cirque needs to stay ahead of the curve like they have been, you know, for, mm -hmm. for a long time. But like normal competition, other shows come up, other good shows come up, good competitors. So we need to try and find ways always to stay ahead of the curve. Yeah. I'll have one last question for you. If tomorrow aliens would land on Earth, how would you explain Cirque du Soleil to them? Oh, if aliens landed on Earth, how would I explain Cirque du Soleil to them? I would probably say to them, this is a good question. I would probably say to them, Cirque du, Cirque du Soleil represents the good side of humanity. That's what I would say. Cirque du Soleil represents all things that are good with humanity because it's all, because it's all about love. It's all about sharing an experience under one roof. It's all about inspiring people. It's all about creating the impossible, you know, on that stage, which is what we do. But most importantly, it's all about making people feel. I think that's, that's, that's what makes us unique, I think. It's the fact that I always say when people, when you go, when I'm creating, I always try and look for those moments or those images that make people feel because people remember how they felt more than what they mm -hmm. see. I think that's, that's what I always, you know, and I, and, and I, that's, I think that's what I would tell to the aliens. This is the, the biggest celebration of human excellence, probably would say. That's a great answer. <laughs> but that was, that was pressure. That was on the spot. My God. But, but I think that's the best way to explain what Cirque du Soleil is to someone from outside of this planet. Yeah. Well, Mukta, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate all your words of wisdom. And uh, I'm sure all the fans and everybody are going to be super stoked to see the coming out of your new show. Thank you, Guillaume. I appreciate it. And I appreciate the time that, for you to, that you took out to come and speak to me. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Take care, brother. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. This conversation just made me want to go out there and do it, everything. All the creative ideas that I have in mind, Mukhtar just makes me feel that I can and that I must use all my creative power. That's awesome, because I don't know about you guys, but sometimes when you have an idea, something that you want to create, and then you start thinking about the process, the cost, how am I actually going to do it? All of this can be very paralyzing. But I think that Mukta's creative journey shows very well that it doesn't matter where or how you start, as long as you do start. Everything and everybody starts somewhere. And as long as you keep learning and keep going, you will get where you want to be. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, you can take a little moment to give us a good rating and review. It makes a huge difference for the show. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, CircusTalk.com, or wherever you're getting your podcasts. Now, my dear friends, that's it for today. 
I wish you all a great day and a great week. Big merde to you guys if you're having shows. And you know, as we say in the circus, see you down the road.